1: What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Kazenza with the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals Podcast and CincyJungle.com. Hopefully, you are all doing well on this Monday, despite what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday there. Uh, Bengals took one on the chin and are trying to regroup and are trying to heal up. A lot of injuries accrued in that one against the Chargers and a game that. You felt like you knew it was going to be difficult, but the Bengals just kept kind of getting in their own way. A lot of unforced errors that the Chargers took advantage of, and uh, unfortunately, the Bengals just still learning to handle success and grow into one of the better NFL teams. You know, they they put together a couple of good games, and then they they end up having an inevitable stumble. Unfortunately, but. Uh, first of all, in case you're wondering, what, what what's the new tune here? Uh, that is Holy Coast Band. A, a few months ago, we had Ian Ryder, a Bengals fan who is a local musician in the Cincinnati area. His band, Holy Coast, uh, who is, who's actually doing some tur- touring in the Midwest right now, um, supplied us with some music, and we're happy to promote them and what they're doing. So uh, since he was on a Happening Headlines or Water Cooler Chat episode a couple months ago, we thought, why not? Play some of their music there, so go check out their music uh, where, where you can there. Holy Coast Band, they are on Twitter, all their information there, so go check them out. Great guy, good music, uh, great music, so check it out. Anyway, hey, let's get rolling here. There's uh, We usually come at you on a Tuesday with a little more on the plate for you, but um, given some scheduling that we're trying to figure out this week and all kinds of different things, we thought we'd at least come at you on Monday with some different things that we are uh, that we've got going on since the jungle.com the headlines and some interesting uh th- this division's getting really really tight and the accrued injuries for a lot of these teams are making it really really tight so we're going to talk a little bit about that as well as what's going on around the rest of the league. So, without further ado, let's get to what is probably the most important and the most pressing questions with the Cincinnati Bengals at this point in time right now, which is the injury front, and we've got a couple of different updates here. This is on cincyjungle.com a little bit earlier today from my colleague John Sheeran. Went up, I believe, at about 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh so here's the link in the live chat here updates on Logan Wilson and other Bengals following the deflating loss to the Chargers you see Logan Wilson being carted off the the field there uh you usually the cart's kind of at least from what I've seen relegated to usage with um you know lower extremity issues knee injuries ankle injuries that sort of thing not shoulder injuries which is what Logan Wilson suffered we'll talk more about that in a second Joe Burrow uh, did dislocate his pinky finger on his throwing hand on the strip sack fumble early in the game and played through it the entire time obviously if you if you watch the telecast you would have saw him grimacing on the sideline and all kinds of different things while he was trying to throw was using different gloves not gloves all kinds of different things Really though, I mean, aside from the, the late interception and in, that he threw in the red zone, I mean, there didn't seem to be a lot of glaring issues. I mean, maybe there's a little less zip on the ball. Maybe there was a couple of times where it wasn't the tightest of spirals, but for the most part, I saw Joe Burrow throwing the ball pretty well despite the injury going on there. And, um, you know, it doesn't seem that he's going to be missing any time if we're reading this correctly, but it's obviously something that, that they've got to monitor that it's got to heal and, and all of that. So, um, should he should be okay to play going forward here so that's good news that the Bengals starting quarterback not good news that he got injured but good news that he is going to continue to play through the dislocated pinky and man there's a couple pictures where you saw it and that thing was really puffed up so uh you, you know hopefully that doesn't affect him too much going forward particularly as the weather gets worse and worse later in the season logan wilson this was a day of dislocations, apparently. Logan Wilson dislocated. His shoulder was carted off the field. It sounds like there is not additional tearing, whether that's the labrum or pec or anything like that. There's no there's no other additional injuries. We'll talk more about that, why why we think that in a second. But he did have an MRI. It's It sounds like this is going to be something that will hold him out this week, which is a shame because the 49ers like to run the football. And not having Logan Wilson in there is... It's going to be tough, but uh, he is set to miss this week. It sounds like he may return uh, in weeks, a couple of weeks down the road, but still monitoring that. It is not an IR situation, which is good news based on what we saw yesterday. So that's good. Marcus Bailey, a lot of people are saying, why was Logan Wilson even in on that special team's play that he dislocated his shoulder? Well, that's because Marcus Bailey was dealing with a stinger himself. He appears to be okay. Um, And we'll be okay. You see the tweet here from Ian Rappaport, the good news, bad news. um, And and we'll have an extension off that in just a second. But Bailey appears to be okay. Joe Batchy came in and actually played pretty well in relief of Logan Wilson. Um, still not probably the dynamic playmaker that Wilson is, but, uh, at least played admirably with Wilson in, the, uh, out of the lineup there. So, uh, but it sounds like Bailey's going to be in there. It's going to be a lot of Joe Batchy, a lot of Jermaine Pratt, who fortunately for the Bengals defense is playing some of the best football of his career over these past couple of weeks. So, um, we'll, we'll talk about that too in just a minute, but uh, you know, it, it, the linebackers were, were banged up here. Joe Mixon, um. He had a neck injury. Uh, it was kind of difficult to see what what was going on there, but it, you know he was kind of grimacing after a run in the third quarter. You don't know if that had a, an effect uh, you know on on his play. Uh, you know, afterward, um, you know, it was a three yard run. um, But, uh, you know, obviously he he missed a handful of plays, came back in. So that's, that's good news. But a neck injury is always a little scary. Um, I was wondering if this was more of a chest, a rib, just the way he was grimacing and kind of writhing around. Maybe there was some issue with, you know, my, my mind initially was, you know, did he get the wind knocked out of him or something like that? But it turns out it was a neck issue and the problem, probably he'll probably be limited throughout the week i would assume and they will continue to monitor that Jadobi wuzier another stellar defensive player for the cincinnati bengals left the game and did not return with a foot injury that he suffered on that crazy interception that he made off of in herbert there so he um you know he kind of snagged away from josh palmer there uh, so nothing, nothing crazy there, but did not return in that game. T Higgins had ankle injury off the horse collar tackle and ended up continuing to play through it, obviously hampered by it, but still had a career type of day with the, the, the Bengals uh, in the passing game there. So T Higgins ankle injury and Samaj P Ryan, um, he, he had a, a left knee injury, but this doesn't, he, he returned. And so, um, you know, that was a little scary looking, but he wasn't even really talked about for at least not um, with the tweet that I am going to queue up in terms of what Zach Taylor was addressing here so uh, here's Mike Petralia friend of the show um, here is the latest update as this afternoon this is about three I believe this is 3 p.m. Eastern time Logan Wilson has a shoulder injury that and will miss this week um, possibly a couple of weeks no IR. So that is big, big news, and that was as of later today. Chidobe Awuzie, Riley Reef, Trey Hopkins, all day today. Awuzie with the foot injury, Reef and Hopkins who missed last week with respective ankle injuries. Uh, Burrow is quote feeling good and will be limited in early week practice. Obviously, just giving that finger some rest as opposed to throwing, throwing, throwing. So um, I I kind of tweeted out that based on everything we saw yesterday, how these injuries looked at first blush. This has to be just about the best-case scenario for the Bengals that they could expect. I mean, Logan Wilson was carted off the field with a injury, ended up being a dislocated shoulder, and it sounds like he's going to miss one week, maybe a couple, but no injured reserve. That's big, especially with... A Cleveland Browns game coming at the end of the season, and and some of these explosive offenses coming down the pike here. a Awoosier, you hope you get him back soon. Here, we still don't know what's going on with Ray Wayne's, and if we can even expect him to come back at any point. Uh, he is on an IR return designation, but you know, uh, at this point, whatever you get out of him is just kind of a bonus uh, Riley reef and Trey Hopkins. I, I would assume that the, I, again, I assumed that they, at least one of them was going to play last week and, you know, uh, the, yesterday and they didn't. So I don't want to keep being the assumed guy, but I kind of feel like, you know, they were pretty close last week. It sounded like, um, and so then, you know, you kind of figure maybe that week off and maybe a little bit extra rest or going limited or something this week will, will help them out. Um, you know, obviously they were missed. Uh, not as much as you may think, though. We'll talk about that in a sec, too. But uh, anyway, a lot of day-to-day. Burrow feeling good and no IR for Logan Wilson. That seems to be all about as good as you can hope for in all of these situations with the injuries with the Bengals. So uh, Lawrence J. Hunter I, I says Facebook got why was Logan even on special teams. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, Marcus Bailey was dealing with a stinger. He's usually the special teams guy. I don't know why Joe Bocci wasn't in there. You also have Akeem Davis-Gaither who's on IR. So, you know, a a specific kind of linebacker player that they wanted in special teams coverage there. You're pretty limited when Bailey's in the tent getting attended to. Um, You know, you've got Bocci there that you maybe could have uh, swapped in there. And then, you know, ADG is on IR. So, you know, the, the Bengals options were pretty limited. Obviously could not have predicted that this would have happened on a special teams play here, but uh, you know, that's, uh, it, it is a question worth asking. I mean, there's that that's, I, I understand why that question is being asked, but you know, I think unfortunately there the hand, Bengals hands were a bit tied and there's another team we're going to talk about in terms of a questionable decision they made in the game because of injuries that occurred in the game. So uh, and, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but Let's keep rolling on here and we can talk about the Bengals snap counts. I like to show this. This is on Cincy jungle as well. I like to show this to kind of give folks an idea as to who's playing, who's not particularly in those areas, wherein the Bengals like to rotate guys around on that defensive line and all kinds of different things. But their depth, you can see here, Patrick Judas wrote this on cincyjungle.com. Their depth faced the biggest test of the season because of the injuries. Not only the ones that occurred in the game, but the ones I mentioned earlier, Trey Hopkins, Riley Reef, et cetera, that did not play this week. And, uh, you know, some some of that showed, for sure, some of that showed. Uh, let's go to uh, – this is one thing I do want to point out before we go to the actual numbers, going big. Um, and so – it was Jackson Carmen who was brought in on the jumbo sets in case you missed that. And and Prince was the guy they usually called off, uh, off the bench to come in on these jumbo packages, these Dennis Roland tackle eligible (laughs) type of plays where they bring out an extra, extra offensive lineman and really try to impose their will on on the ground. And it was Carmen this week because of the injury to Riley reef. So it was Carmen that was brought in and did not, uh, you know, did not, you know, they obviously had to kind of, make a little bit of an adjustment there. All right. So Trey Hill playing all 76 of the snaps at center. Uh, and that was a little bit of a, a struggle there. Mike Hilton playing 89% of the snaps had a nice play. And obviously he played a little bit more. He's usually, I think if, if I remember correctly, he's kind of in the seventies in terms of percentage of defensive snaps, it would seem on a week to week basis, but because of the injuries and whatnot, uh, he had to come in and play a little more. You've got Chadobia wouzier unfortunately leaving early playing 59% Trey flowers in there for six snaps Jalen Davis in there for two Phillips was also a guy who did not play Apple playing 98% Hargraves getting in there 45% of the snaps and I believe he was involved in a um, where, where Pratt kind of wrestled the ball away from Austin Eckler Hargraves was in there I believe as well on that play so he was in there for 45% Hendrickson 64% a little little Surprising there. Cam Sample, 36%. Sam Hubbard, 94%. Getting all kinds of different uh, snaps and looks there on defense. Wyatt Ray, only 3%. DJ Reader in there for 67. Ogan Joby made a couple of nice plays, 80%. Tupo, 27. BJ Hill, another guy who made a couple of nice plays, 33%. Seeing a lot of stuff about re signed BJ Hill after this game, uh, and rightfully so. Tyler Shelvin still still inactive. did not play I'm not sure what's really going on there but maybe he's a guy they look at later this year as an activation I think he's only been active one time this year maybe maybe one more game beyond that but not a a guy that's been active really much at all this year uh Logan Wilson left the game early we know that Jermaine Pratt getting a lot of work nine- Percent of the snaps there. Uh, So he played well, responded well. So Joe bocce who came in in relief of Wilson, 61 percent of the snaps. Uh, You see here Quentin Spain, Hakeem Adenaji, Jonah Williams all getting 100 percent, as did Isaiah Prince. No Fred Johnson. He was inactive. Joe Burrow, despite the injury, played every snap. Joe Mixon playing 66% of the snaps. Not as big of a factor this week on the ground as the two weeks prior. Samajé Ryan, 34%. Again, he dealt with a knee injury but did return. Evans, they missed him. He did not play because of an ankle injury. He was nursing. Von Bell playing 100% of the snaps. Jesse Bates playing 98% of the snaps. uzama playing 87%. Uh, Sample 34, mostly in there in blocking scenarios. Tyler Boyd had a nice game, 75% of the snaps. Uh, Mike Thomas did not practice. I think that was an illness issue. Jamar Chase getting 96% of the snaps. Higgins 79%, a great game from T. Higgins. Um, And then Morgan and Irwin getting in there for seven snaps a pop. So that is the defensive and offensive snap counts for the Cincinnati Bengals. You can see a lot of different players getting time in which we have not seen this year. That's just been not, you know, a lot of new faces there that were that were getting snaps on Sunday for a variety of reasons, largely because of injuries and whatnot. Let's go on to one of my favorite follows on Twitter, and that is Mr. Andrew Russell, who does a lot of PFF work, et cetera. I like following him. He usually puts out, either early Monday, Tuesday, even sometimes late Sunday, he puts out some great information in terms of PFF scores and whatnot. And I, I love it when people do homework, my homework for me, it is awesome. Uh, Andrew Russell writing Isaiah Prince received a 70.6 pass block grade uh, from PFF on true pass sets and was the highest graded offensive lineman on the Bengals in week 13. So you know there were there were some issues there. There were some some questionable moments and whatnot. But when you look at that in a in a pass block grade, that's not terrible, Uh, especially for a guy that is considered a backup. And now you see kind of why he's been the first guy off the bench a lot of times. So Isaiah Prince getting a seventy point six pass block grade on true pass sets per Andrew Russell. Thank you and go follow him at pff underscore Andrew R. If you are on Twitter and like Bengals news, you like the PFF scores, etc. you gotta be following this guy. Uh, here is uh, some more from him on his great Twitter account. Highest graded players on defense versus the Chargers. Jermaine Pratt. Look at that. Uh, I think he's actually, he, he writes down here, actually 90.6. So it's 90.6. of a point off there, but, You get the point, 90.6 from Jermaine Pratt. A couple of nice games he has strung together. uh, And he's not a guy that's just kind of chasing and tackling. He's now creating turnovers. He's very active on defense, feeling very comfortable in in terms of what his role is. So he will still need to keep up that pace now that Wilson is set to at least miss one, if not a few games because of that shoulder injury. So Jermaine Pratt, getting a 90.6. He wrote 90.7, but it's 90.6. Eli Apple, look at your number two defender, 79.6. Joe Bocci coming in in relief of Wilson, 75.9. Not bad. Awuzie, who left early, 72.6. And B.J. Hill, 72.5. Hill had uh, a sack in this game as well. So um, those are your highest graded defensive players in terms of PFF against the Chargers. And then let's take a look at... The highest graded players on offense. And this may or may not surprise you. We'll see. But Higgins, 82.5, Burrow, 76.7, barely uh, outdid. Justin Herbert in terms of PFF score on that uh, in that regard. Tyler Boyd, a nice day, 75.4. Jonah Williams, 68.7. Jamar Chase, 63.9. You can see the disparity in terms of the scores and who the top performers were on offense. Jamar Chase is your fifth best guy, and he's at a 63.9. That's not great. And uh, Jamar Chase had a couple of nice catches. There is no doubt about it, but that big one that should have been a touchdown that ended up being a 14 point swing in this game. Um, You can't deny what happened there. So uh, at any rate, it, it is nice also to see three wide receivers amid your top five, but Um, you you know, you got to kind of temper that a little bit based on the actual scores that we're witnessing here. We've seen guys be in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s on the offensive side of the ball this year. So uh, good stuff from Andrew Russell at PFF underscore uh, Andrew R. So go check him out on Twitter. Let's uh, let's see, where do we want to go next? I think we'll talk just a tiny bit more and dive into – The aftermath a little bit more on what happened with the Bengals against the Chargers. And this is an article on CincyJungle.com. Zach Taylor owns up to the issues with the two-point conversion, in case you did not hear in the post-game press conference. Uh, Zach took full accountability for that sequence of events. And in case your memory fails you, the Bengals finally got into the end zone after being down 24 nothing, they get into the end zone. I guess the mindset was we're just going to go touchdown, two point conversions the rest of the way to try and make this a three possession game instead of a four possession game. So they decided to go for two after that initial touchdown. They what happened was kind of a comedy of errors. Um, you know, you you get a call that just you know it, it wasn't working out, so they called the timeout right. After the timeout, they get a penalty, a delay of game penalty. After that, they said, screw it. We're going to just kick the, kick the extra point and move on. Then the extra point gets missed. So just a comedy of errors early in this game. And it just kind of was a microcosm of the entire day, especially if you go back and look at what happened uh, before half as well. A lot of miscommunication, disorganization, indecisiveness. In terms of, you know, are we going to try and take shots down the field and, and kick a field goal? What are we doing? I know they didn't have timeouts left in that drive, but they had ample time to kind of work the field a little bit and at least try and get into deep field goal range. And um, you know, that was that was kind of a mess as well, right before the halftime. And here, here's Jeremy Rauch of Fox 19, called the point, uh Zach Taylor calls the botched two-point conversion attempt that never happened quote, horrific by me, said it was entirely his fault, called the wrong play out of the timeout and owned it. And there were a couple of occasions where you saw Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, uh, you know, kind of talking about things on the sideline. You saw an animated Joe Burrow in this game in these occasions, right, that I mentioned, not only the halftime, but Obviously, uh, this two-point conversion situation; these are these are the things that uh, you know really upset Joe Burrow. You saw a very animated Joe Burrow in this game, probably the most upset we have seen him in his close to two seasons as the Bengals quarterback. Transitioning a bit into next week, and uh, what what the Bengals may be focusing on. Um, First of all, the Bengals are actually opening as slight favorites over the San Francisco 49ers, niners, taking a bad loss against the Seahawks in Seattle. A That game was wacky. I don't know if anyone saw that one. That game was absolutely wacky. A lot of special team stuff. Carlos Dunlap had a big play at the end of that game. Uh, so, you know, that that is, uh, you know, San Francisco coming in here off a bad loss, and who knows Who knows really how good the 49ers are at this point there. This is kind of the story of the NFL and both conferences right now. If you look at the AFC playoff picture, all of the teams that are slated as division leaders right now are eight and four or eight win teams. All of the teams that are currently slated as wildcard teams are seven win teams. Um, and so just a lot of ups and downs, ups and downs, really the most consistent teams in terms of how good they have been this year have been in the NFC, and that is the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers. But if you remember, the Bengals almost beat the Packers on their home field, if not for another crazy day, f- filled with missed field goals and all kinds of different stuff. So at any rate, the Bengals are slight favorites opening up. Against the 49ers, this could change, especially given what's going on with the injuries and whatnot. If that kind of continues to develop or devolve for the Bengals, then obviously that would uh, have probably an effect on the line. Uh, But basically, the Niners are plus one. So if this was played on a neutral field, it seems as if the Niners would be favored. If you kind of take into account, it's usually anywhere from two to three points that a home team gets if the line would be even but uh since this one's in cincinnati they are making the Bengals a one point favorite so far in this one against the 49ers again another team kind of like the Bengals. it's a little jekyll and hyde can't figure them out can't figure out you know a lot of these teams and not a lot of these teams are stringing a lot of wins together so um you know that's at least a little bit of news going into this week. And then we talked a little bit about Jamar Chase. He was spoken to by the media on Monday. This is from Kelsey Conway of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Um, Jamar Chase says teams have been using cloud coverage to take him away and double him when asked about how he beat double teams in college. He said he moved around a lot. Uh, Kelsey had asked him, if he wants to move around more here and he said quote i would love to move around more so the Bengals may need to try and move chase around a bit more to create mismatches whether that's lining him up in the slot um, or you know, if you remember, there were a couple times they did that with AJ Green too. Um, you know, whether you can go back to that Seattle game, they're moving him around in 2015. a lot of big games they would move AJ around later in his career, he would move around a little bit too. So maybe that's something we see with Jamar Chase going forward. I don't know, but the point is he also needs to work on securing the football. Uh he's makes a couple of great catches. He has essentially single-handedly won a lot of these games here or been a big, he and Joe Burrow have been big reasons why they ended up winning some of these games. And unfortunately, he was also asked about that drop that we talked about earlier with the, you know, the ball that went into the hands of the the Chargers defender after it looked like it was going to be a touchdown for the Bengals. And he talked about it, the fact that he is double catching it. He tried to double catch that ball. And on that double catch, the ball just kind of squirted out of his hands and up into the air and if you look at that video again it's it's a incredible sequence of events of what happened now his hand placement on the football is a little awkward was chases but as he tries to bring it back in the ball pops up the fact that the the trajectory of the ball how it popped up was incredible and the fact that the defender who was beaten on the play and focusing on just trying to get chase down to the ground ended up Tracking the ball, one-handing it, and corralling it against his body and hanging on to it. While Chase is trying to play defender all of a sudden, the whole sequence of events was absolutely crazy. So, regardless, these are the types of angles that are going to make the playoffs if they're going to make noise in the playoffs. These types of play young players, they need to – these are the things that need to be – the plays that need to be made. You need to make these plays. and I mean, that was just something that was – pitch and catch from their college days between burrow and chase and that should have been seven and unfortunately it turned into seven eventually for the chargers on that drive uh after the interception so uh, at at any rate um you know there we'll see what happens on the on the previous quote in terms of jamar chase potentially being moved around a little bit don't know if that's going to happen it might be a good idea to kind of if you're looking to pop a big play here but even still, if you look at some of the, the the games the Bengals have lost recently, you go back to the Browns game, you go to this game, there have been plays that were there for Chase and plays that should have been made by Chase, um, you know. And and there are times where it forces a ball in there too. But uh, I mean, the, even even with you know, you look at the overall wow, where are the stats? Well, a couple of times there were some some nice passes there that were that should have been big plays and they were not. So. At any rate, uh, let's go. We're gonna we're gonna keep rolling on here. We're gonna talk a little AFC North. An incredible, uh, unbelievable day in a lot of different ways for the AFC North teams uh, this Sunday, and then of course we've got uh, you know some more NFL headlines and one more game. We usually kick this thing off on Tuesday, so all the games have been completed at that point. But we're kicking it off on Monday today, and so. Uh, there is a Monday night football game an important one to keep an eye on in terms of playoff implications. Um, and so I mentioned you know where where current things currently stand in the AFC eight wins seven win teams. two of the teams playing tonight that that'll be directly affected there. so need to keep an eye on that. before we get to the AFC North and the rest of the NFL, this program, as are all of them are brought to you by our, Partners at Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, and the website is S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com slash OBI, and they are giving our listeners a treat here. They are doing a 90-day protection plan, a money-back guarantee, guaranteeing up to $500 for our listeners to take advantage of here and of course if you go to symbol.com/obi use the promo code obi you can take advantage symbol is where you can buy t- uh, sports teams and treat it like it's the stock market short term investments long term plays whatever you need to do to make yourself some money they are so confident that you will be successful in their platform that they are protecting up to $500 of your money for the first 90 days upon signing up and using the promo code obi so you got to go check out symbol and give it give it a shot uh, i know some some of our listeners here have invested they invested early on in the cincinnati bengals and it has paid off for them very very well uh, based on where the Bengals were when we first partnered with Symbol back before the draft, and where the Bengals are now at seven and five, uh, there was some some good money to be made there uh, in terms of price per share and what you may have purchased them at. So uh, go check it out. And it's not just relegated to football either. You know, you could do other sports with Symbol, but you got to go to Symbol.com, dot lcom s i m b u l l dot com slash obi. Use that promo code obi to get that ninety day money back protection plan and uh, check out what they've got going good stuff
0: vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in
1: Well, the Cincinnati Bengals weren't the only team affected by the injury bug. The Baltimore Ravens lost arguably one of their best players and arguably their best defensive player, although it didn't seem that way in the first matchup between the Bengals and the Ravens, but uh unfortunately and this this is pretty sad news, uh Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey likely out for the season. It was a um I think it was a pectoral injury and the Baltimore Ravens you know we we can say what 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 you want there about the team about the coach and you know oh you know whatever but they they put together a good team they know how to win they are a successful franchise and really when you look at the amount of injuries that the Baltimore Ravens have accrued this year the fact that they are in the playoff hunt leading the division and all of the things all of the factors um this is uh, you know it's pretty miraculous running backs um you know some I I believe some offensive linemen have had some issues Ronnie Stanley and whatnot and then of course now you've got Marlon Humphrey out for the season and that is a biggie and this is on cincyjungle.com I believe I pinned that um you can also find it on a number of different number of different outlets there but uh it's, it's a shoulder injury. I've also heard pectoral. So regardless sounds like he is going to be out for the rest of the season. The Bengals play them in a few weeks in week 16. Um, and so he will not be a part of that. So um, and, and the Bengals already lit the Baltimore Ravens secondary up as did Jamar chase in that first matchup. So um, this is a big, this is a big loss for them, big loss for the Ravens. And uh, you know, they seem to be able to put still put good units on the field and get over these injuries well but at some point when you keep losing star after star after star uh it's going to catch up with you. Peters was another one another corner I think that they've they've lost so they they've had a lot of injuries to deal with and the fact that they are ahead in the AFC North by a game says quite a bit. One of the big question marks in this game and it it I'm sure it pained Bengals fans to be kind of rooting for the Steelers, but the Steelers getting a win against the Ravens helps the Bengals out a lot. Um, You don't like the Steelers winning, especially when they are, you know, right behind you. But when the Bengals have already two games up on the Steelers, a better divisional record than, than Pittsburgh, you know, you, this, these are all other things, elements that you got to take into context here, but look uh, there was a two point conversion attempt the Steelers drove all the way down late in the game, scored a touchdown, got a two point conversion, made it a 20 to 13 game. All of a sudden, the Ravens make a miraculous comeback, 20 to 19. And instead of kicking the field goal, they go for two, which raised some eyebrows, almost had the play. The pass was just beyond the hands of Mark Andrews on a, on a pass out to the flat and uh, went off one of his hands, and the Baltimore Ravens lose the game. So what was going through the coach's mind, Coach Harbaugh, when he was uh, going for two instead of kicking for the extra point and going for overtime? Quote, trying to win the game right there. He also said, we were pretty much out of corners. That's obviously Humphrey had been hurt at that point. We were pretty much out of corners at that point in time. It was an opportunity to try and win the game right there so here are you know here are the defensive back issues that the ravens are facing humphrey he's he's going to be gone for the season it seems marcus peters um gone deshaun elliott gone uh Darius washington all on season ending injured reserve so it's kind of like well we just I, it was almost a nice way of saying i don't really trust the defense in this position right now especially with the injuries we've accrued. I don't know. So, uh they are dealing with some major issues as well, and of course, the Steelers who were left dead in the water after the Bengals trampled them in Cincinnati the week prior, now all of a sudden they get a big win against the division leader in Baltimore and they are back in the thick of it, so to speak. I mean, they're on the outside looking in, but they are still alive and if you uh have taken note of Mike Tomlin in this week leading up to the Baltimore Ravens game. He talked about practice quote unquote attire, meaning uh, they were going to do padded practice, a little more physical practices this week. Um, you know, and and there's kind of a post game Q&A here. This is on steelers.com. I'll put the Link in the live chats for folks to check out here as well. Steelers.com. And I believe this is Bob Labriola that wrote this. Let me just make sure. Yeah, Bob Labriola who wrote it on Steelers.com. And so he kind of talks about the padded practices and and getting back to the uh, basics. That's what this one is. Um, There's, uh, you know, someone who was mimicking Lamar Jackson in practice, um, you know, Uh, in talking about, you know, what do you do for guys like Miles Garrett? And so some interesting tidbits and Mike Tomlin uh, say what you want about him, but he never, uh, never leaves you wanting more in (laughs) quotes and all kinds of different things. He's an entertaining uh, interview for sure. So that is what's going on with the Steelers. And then of course they are underdogs this week against the Vikings, which is very interesting because the Vikings just allowed the Detroit lions to come up and get their first win of the season. And this is on our uh, counterpart site here behind the steel curtain. The Steelers are three point underdogs against the Vikings and the Vikings, man, I I know we're, we can be frustrated as Bengals fans in terms of how some of these games have gone. Go check out how the Vikings season has gone. Every single game essentially has been right down to the wire, multiple overtime games, multiple heartbreak games, barely wins. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy season for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Regardless, the Steelers are three-point underdogs against the Vikings on behind the steel curtain there. So uh, that is what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not too much with the Cleveland Browns as they had a bye week. But that bye week seems as it did for the Cincinnati Bengals a couple of weeks ago. This seems to have come at a good time for the Browns as they are, quote, feeling recharged after the bye week. Um, this is by Anthony Poisel on clevelandbrowns.com. Um, quote, I think they were all really engaged. They were moving around, flying around practice field today. I feel like they they are recharged with the time away from here. That was as of um, Monday uh, their first practice back from the bye week guys kind of just laid low rested up and now they're, they're back in action. So um, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of different games coming up here. That'll, that'll be challenging for them, including a season finale with the Bengals. It would not shock me if somehow that is a win in your in scenario for that for those teams in the final week of the season, which is obviously a dream for the NFL and how they create the, the schedule. But um, yeah, so not too much going on with the Browns other than the fact that they are revamping things back up after a bye week. And apparently it came at the optimum, optimum time for their team. Let's keep going here. Uh, this is one that I think a lot of people are going to, I'm going to pin this again in the live chats. A lot of Bengals fans are going to be chatting about the Panthers. Surprisingly, somewhat surprisingly, I guess, let go of offensive coordinator Joe Brady. Now, obviously, Joe Brady, a lot of us know that he was the the kind of the brains and the one of the whiz kids behind the great LSU team that included Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Thad Moss all on the Bengals roster. So, a lot of folks, when the Bengals weren't doing great, and you know, when there were some questions about the offense and all kinds of different things, you know, this was the guy that a lot of Bengals fans wanted. Now, he because it, it, it's Really, really odd what has happened to the Carolina Panthers, by the way. I think they started off like 3-0, and and Matt Rule was an early coach of the year guy, and things were great. Sam Darnold was having a nice renaissance to his career, and all of a sudden things just absolutely collapsed on this team. And now Matt Rule might be on the hot seat. I don't know if that's going to be followed through with, but I, this Joe Brady firing obviously is, is something to kind of I think take maybe a little bit of that heat off of rules seat there. But I, I suppose this is something that is not only newsworthy around the, the league, but look, I think we're we've been overall pretty pleased with Zach Taylor's play calling. There's been some Points of contention there. Brian Callahan as the offensive line coach, Frank Pollock coming in and being the run game coordinator along with the offensive line coach. So you know, if if the Bengals were to bring in a Joe Brady at some point, you know, it wouldn't be to supplant one of those guys. Maybe it's a offensive assistant quality control I don't know, whatever. But the point is, is this may be something that is. I know a lot of fans may be thinking, uh, you know, they, they kind of grab at times to these ideals that are, are not really realistic. This may be something with the amount of LSU offensive players that Brady previously coached. This may be something that the Bengals actually look at. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that, but this may be an acquisition that the Bengals take a look at. Obviously he's probably going to be a, a, still a hot commodity, not, as hot of a commodity as he was when he took this position with the Panthers, but still maybe a hot commodity, particularly at the college level. We'll see. But you know, if there is a, a comfort level, and, and the Bengals have done a lot to make sure that Joe Burrow is as comfortable and as is as successful as possible at the NFL level by bringing in LSU teammates doing some concepts in the offense that emulated what he did at LSU, et cetera, et cetera. Um, This may be a guy that comes in and if he can be an additional voice, an additional resource, maybe the Bengals look at that because of the amount of LSU players that they have, uh, you know, they've brought in that he previously coached. I don't know, but regardless, he is no longer the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. And uh, we'll have to keep a close eye on where he ends up. I did not uh, pull this in there, uh, there's one I did not pull uh, up there, and I will I will talk about it in a second in terms of NFL news. But the Jets here, um, Corey Davis, their free agency acquisition, he is to go undergo season-ending core muscle surgery. That sounds not pleasant, uh, and so Corey Davis is going to be done in New York for the year. Um, he signed, you can see here on NFL.com, three-year, $37.5 million contract this offseason as part of the effort to restock the offense around rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. So um, he had 34 catches for 492 yards and four touchdowns. Did Davis not a huge impact through the the better part of this season, but he will be heading to IR. Adjust your fantasy football teams appropriately um before we go on we had a super chat from socks not sure if that's indicative of red Sox, white Sox. um uh, i don't know but uh thank you for for the generosity they're watching the ups and downs is so frustrating at times but not expected from a young team that is still learning how to win absolutely absolutely and quite honestly we can say at seven and five this team has maybe developed and matured a little faster than some folks had thought at this point. I mean, they already beat the Vegas odds from earlier in the season where I think the over and under for wins on the season is, was six and a half. So they've already beat that. Um, They have a winning record right now. They are currently slated as one of the wildcard teams right now. Should the playoffs have started today, they would be in and they really are in control of their own destiny. But to Sox's point, we talked about it earlier. These, these plays, these bobble plays that chase bobbles and it turns into an interception. Even if, even if he just dropped the pass and it didn't turn into an interception, you don't get the touchdown. That's a but it pops harmlessly to the ground. The fact that it got up, the guy made incredible play on the interception. It's just, you got to have these a little bit luckier bounces and also. It's not just some of the young guys, the Joe Mixon fumble. I know it's rare, that Joe Mixon, extremely rare that he loses a fumble. But, um, you know, that's not a rookie. That's not a second-year guy. That's a guy who's been in the league for a while. But in in all honesty, I think there are times with Mixon, Chase, Burrow forcing throws, when they're down one of the things that these guys like to do because they've been part of winning college programs, because they don't, you know, they're not accustomed to losing all that kind of stuff. They play, they tend to play a little bit more hero ball and they, they don't, you know, the concentration isn't there because they're pressing as much, at least that's kind of an impression that I get at times. So if they stop doing that, I I do think that they need to get back to what they were doing in this two game wins, win streak prior to this game, you know, the run game, a lot of offensive balance. You can't let Joe Burrow get sacked six times. You can't get let him get hit eleven times, which was the case uh, yesterday. You just can't have that. So, um, you know, I, I think they need to get be balanced. I think they wanted to be more balanced yesterday, but the offensive line issues and, and whatnot uh, are, are, you know, taking uh, their toll on this team. But let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, the I appreciate that though. Sox, appreciate the comment there. Uh, and if any of you have some other comments that you would like to, uh, give to us, we're kind of monitoring those, but we'll also take a little bit of priority on those super chats. Appreciate that. Uh, so if anyone else has somebody, something to say, go ahead and put that in there. However, all right. The mock draft, uh, God, do we have to do these? I guess so. They're popular. Uh, CBS sports has a 2022 mock draft. I don't, and no, I'm not saying this because the Bengals lost and all of a sudden we got where we should be thinking about packing it in. That is not what's happening. It's just they're fun. And this is courtesy of Ryan Wilson on CBS Sports. Um, a lot of different opinions and whatnot. You can see here, Matt Corral, QB going to the Texans at three, Aiden Hutchinson uh, to Detroit, uh you've got this weird situation also as i mentioned with giants picking back to back and jets picking back to back some things shifted this week but uh (laughs) kind of weird because they grabbed picks from uh previous trades and whatnot so here are you've got a linebacker going to denver by the way, Denver is coming up on the Bengals' schedule. Not sure how daunting. I mean, they're, they're going to be scrappy, but not sure how daunting that game looks. And if the Bengals were to grab that one, that would be a biggie. You've got uh, the the Steelers getting a quarterback, Carson Strong out of Nevada. And, of course, uh, the Bengals here, Darian Kennard, a tackle out of Kentucky. A big tackle, 6'5", 345 is who uh Ryan Wilson has the Bengals taking at pick 21, by the way, that should be known as like the honorary Marvin Lewis pick pick 21, pick 24. The Bengals always were picking in that range. I don't want them to pick there again, but canard is a mauler who plays with an edge and he can wreak havoc as both a run and pass blocker. He may have to kick inside at the next level, but protecting Joe Burrow, who was sacked seven times in Sunday's loss. I think it was six, but that's okay. Has to be an off season priority. So uh, that is who the Bengals have. I like the idea. I like the pick, but they need to not have a tackle. Who's a guard. They, I mean, they need to have the guys. You need to get draft a guard. You need to draft a tackle. You need to get these guys, not the, I, I, I know they like the flexibility of them, but they need to get a guy that they can develop truly as another, um, you know, for their respective position. Let's continue on here and start closing up CBS sports. Again, the bills, Take on the Patriots in a huge AFC East game tonight. Uh, up to 60 mile an hour wins uh, on, uh, in this game. Holy moly. Uh, that's up in uh, Buffalo. Um, and so, wow. 9% chance of rain or snow. Temper- Temperatures should be in the 30s. But, uh, man, uh, it's just regularly above 20 miles an hour um gusts up to 60 most winds project to 25 to 35 miles an hour translation sloppy sloppy football sloppy football um so at any at any rate yeah so someone sage to 75 yard field goals yeah that's a that, that's probably accurate we're gonna get out of here on this uh I, I feel bad i didn't cue this up but you can find this on a number of news outlets Dan Campbell, you, you know the the Lions have been a little bit of a laughing stock in terms of what they have done or have not done this season. I mentioned earlier that they got their um, win. They have a tie against the Steelers. They got the first win against the Vikings. Campbell been an emotional guy, a guy who's really tried to be, you know, a catalyst for this team. There, unfortunately, there is not a lot of talent on that roster. You go, you go look at it top to bottom. There is not a lot of. Not a lot of talent on that roster, so he's got a big project ahead of him. But he seems to be a guy that, you know, has endeared himself to the fan base, endeared himself to that locker room. You know, he's he's had tearful press conference, post game press conferences. He's had all kinds of stuff. But he is a guy. Uh, he kind of gave a game ball at the post game press conference and named folks by name, the the families and the specific victims of it, of the shooting in, in Michigan. And uh, I thought that was a pretty pretty classy. Uh, move. You can find the video on Twitter. You can find it on a number of different outlets, but um, really, you know, kind of emotional. He's an emotional guy, wears his heart on his sleeve a lot. And the fact that he kind of, uh, you know, at least made a little bit of a gesture to those families and whatnot that are going through an extremely difficult time right now, that that was a, a pretty cool thing by Dan Campbell. And congratulations to the Lions for getting their first win of the season. Been a tough year for them. No, no doubt about it. That's going to do it for us and the happening headlines for week 13 slash 14, since we're on Monday. Appreciate you all tuning in, whether it's on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, our YouTube channel, the Orange and Black Insider. Uh, Appreciate those who tuned in live and a couple of comments and whatnot. We'll be back with the... Wednesday deep dive show. We've got all kinds of different fantasy football, listener questions live, post-game shows. We bring you a lot as part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, which can be found on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Go subscribe to that channel. Listen to our show. Listen to Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick. You can get all that on your favorite audio streamer. And like I said, you can uh, subscribe right down here to our YouTube channel, click that, uh, subscribe, and then click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, all that good stuff. We'll see you later this week. Have a happy Monday, have a good rest of the week, and we will see you soon.